Great, let me just pray. In the morning and next week, when we think and meditate on love, we pray that your love would be at the centre each of these three couples' marriages. Thank you for their heart to worship, to marry in a church, to put you at the centre, knowingly or unknowingly in some ways. And we ask your blessing on each of them. Draw them nearer to you and nearer to each other. In your name we pray. Amen. Secondly, my other notice is to say, those of you who love a bit of Church of England guidance, who are desperate to know what we can and can't do, uh, we've been promised guidance by the end of this week, so we'll update you more formally uh, once we get that. But um, essentially, we have a plan for the summer. That plan will sort of hold pretty much. We hope we'll be able to sing, which would be great, but we don't quite know yet. So that's a short answer to those questions. Um, Okay, and the third thing I just need to do before we get into God's Word is this. This week, I came into my house to find this on the table in our house. And this is a cherry, by the way. Sorry for those up in the balcony who can't see. And I, being a very excitable vicar, uh, thought, do you know, the Lord has answered my prayers miraculously. The very cherry tree that I showed you two weeks ago has now been producing cherries God is the God of the impossible. And I was kind of celebrating. I think this is amazing. And I said to Joe, Joe, it's a miracle. She said, no, Geraldine gave it to me. (laughs) So thank you, Geraldine, that your tree does produce fruit. Uh, And apologies, mine's got quite a lot of work to do. So uh, just need to put it out there first. Okay, let's pray as we get into God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your enduring patience with us that you are patient with me, that you are patient with us, and you have not given up on us. And Father, this morning, as we may come here distracted, irritated, unaware of your presence because we're so consumed with our stuff, that you long to draw close, that you long to draw near, do you long to show us the extravagance of your love? I thank you that that's our story as your children. That your love is eternal and enduring. Amen. Okay, so actually you've probably said uh, quite a lot about love already in our songs and through Jay's introduction. So you might think, well, Tim, you know, do you want to just sit down and let's get on with it? But actually, you are going to get uh, sort of 15 minutes worth of uh, some thoughts on love this morning. And this morning I want to help you to think a little bit about by starting like this. What is it, do you think, that really makes the world go round? Because actually you don't need to look very far to think that actually the answer might well be money. Money is very, very important to us. And actually, as I see billionaires sending themselves up into space, you kind of think, yeah, I need to be a billionaire to really live. Or if you see millionaires sunning themselves around the world doing literally whatever they want, you think, well, surely money is what I really need. Money makes the world go round. 
money will give me a good life, God. Yes? No? Not sure? But what about football instead, eh? Football surely makes the money go round. The British love affair with football is something to behold. Surely we can win this evening. I did promise to Joshua that I'd mentioned him this morning, but I have to say one of the most amusing parts in our family life is as I watch sport with Joshua, and I'm generally I'm quite, and with Hannah, but also with Joe, but with different levels of interest, um, I'm watching, and occasionally Joshua provides a commentary on my behavior, which is at times very perceptive and at times quite irritating. Um, but he turned to me and he said, Dad, why are you so negative? Why are you so negative about England? And that was interesting. I said, I said to him this. I said, well, son, do you know, I've been here before. Do you know, I love sport. Sport is a wonderful thing, but it's also a very cruel thing. There is only one winner and one loser. I've been here many times before. I've known disappointment before. Do I really want to give my heart again to the England football team? I wonder. Sound familiar? But that brings us to love, the things we love. Surely love energizes us. And it, our love energizes and drives our lives. Surely the center, the kind of thing at the center of our lives is love. John writes that God is love. Nearly all of us will have heard that the heart of Christianity, the heart of the good news of the gospel, is the fact that God is love. Just to reiterate the reading that Bethan read, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his only son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God is love, and has supremely shown his love for us in and through Jesus Christ. Love, it's such a common word that we use, love. During his life, Jesus was asked, do you know what's the best way to live? Essentially, he was asked. What did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. At the very end of Jesus' life, that's recorded in John 13 to 17, literally the day before Jesus dies, in those chapters of John's Gospel, 31 times, Jesus talks about the importance of love. Love. He wants his followers to understand before he leaves this earth that love is at the center. It is about love. One writer puts it like this. Love for the Christian, 
Love for a human being is like soil that a tree is planted in, without which the tree will die. Love is like water for a fish. Love is like air for our lungs. Love is the rooting. Love is the environment. Love is the atmosphere. And love is our eternal destiny. What is heaven other than to be embraced by the love of God for eternity? But you and I know in the culture we live, but also not much different to others, but also in our culture, there are so many competing images of what true love really looks like. So how do we assess and measure what love really is and what love looks like? When have you known in your own life that someone really, really, really loved you? And of course, in reality, it is both objective and subjective. It's objective in the way that we make our choices day by day by day. If I looked at your life and took time to see where you spend your time and your energy and all the things about your life, it wouldn't take long for someone to say, I know what you really love. Because our choices are a very constant daily reflection of our lives and what really is at the center of our lives. When Joe and I at different times have led the marriage course, we always recommend the book, uh, as it does on the marriage cook, The Five Love Languages by someone called Gary Chapman. And they talk about how we give as human beings, how we give and we receive love. But we do it in very real and practical ways. We show love and show through our words, through our touch, through our time, through our gifts, and what we do. Because love is a fleshed out word and shown by our day-by-day -day choices. But love isn't just objective. There is an intuitive side to love. You can tell by the feel of it. You can tell by the touch of it. It's like the difference between counterfeit money and real money. You can feel the difference. I'm sure most of us at times will be able to point to moments in our lives when we, you know, experienced as much of true love as we could say. But I also bet it wouldn't take me long to tell you when we've experienced the opposite too. God's love, the Bible takes, and Paul in his letter to the Ephesians says, is high, long, wide, and deep. God's love is multicolored. God's love is multidimensional. God's love for us, as Joe has said in our introduction, is unconditional. Our obedience doesn't provoke God to love us more. Our disobedience doesn't provoke God to stop loving us. But if you and I are to live in an experience of God's love, stay rooted in God's love, live out in the center of God's love, then we need to learn how to receive and to give love. Do you know, our modern therapeutic culture offers so many different ideas of what you might call counterfeits of love. 
So we need to understand and constantly be reminded of what God's love really looks like. Do you know, at the turn of the century, uh, one of the famous English writers, a famous writer called G.K. Chesterton, wrote about God's love as a furious love. A furious love. Because what Chesterton was trying to get across was the enormous energy and strength that's the heart of the love of God. In God's longing to be with us, in God's longing to be in relationship with his people and his creation. And actually, over the last 10 years, I've grown to really appreciate that description of God's love, not because it's trendy or it's fashionable, because I think it reflects something, something, a part of God's love that I see in Scripture and I see in the life of Jesus in the Gospels. Jesus is not impassive to evil. Jesus is not, doesn't just take it. Jesus loves with a passion and a desire to be in relationship and to see people in relationship with his loving Heavenly Father. That obviously isn't just that, because obviously it counterbalances some of the more gentle pictures of Jesus and of God. We get a sense of God's love when we look at the whole of Scripture that we need to see, to see and make sense of what God's love looks like. But God's love is strong and energetic. It's not just gentle and passive. So how do we recognize God's love? If I asked different generations, looked at some of the wisdom in the world, they would give very many different answers. But I read this, which was a story from a student uh, this week. This student broke up with her boyfriend and insisted that he take every single gift back that he had ever given her. All the music, all the jewelry, all the cards, all the little bits of sentimental little gifts that he had given her. She said this, she said, she shouted at him and said, I told him to leave all, with all his stuff because that's what he wanted to do anyway. Take all your stuff and go. And he said, well, how am I going to carry all my stuff across campus? But she screamed, you'll figure it out. You've got arms and legs, just get out and go away. She wrote that there was a part of her that thought that maybe the next day he would be outside her window, standing there, hit, throwing pebbles and singing love songs to her. Or maybe he'd stand outside in, the, in an evening in the cold, crying, howling apologies for the way he'd behaved so selfishly and so poorly during the whole of their relationship. Months later, she thought that maybe I'll come home, he'll be standing by my door begging me to forgive him. And we, as she described it, we would smooch our faces off and then we would kneel down and he would propose to me. But that never happened. She said that after she looked at her mixed feelings about the breakup and what she was hoping for over the next couple of years, she realised something really, she described it this way, not me, something really pathetic about herself. That her definition of love came from the astonishing number of romantic comedies of love that came from the astonishing number of movies she'd watched over the course of her life. Her very vulnerable article reminded me of the classic romantic comedy 
Sleepless in Seattle. Uh, that dates me, I know, but some of you will have heard of it. In the movie, every time Meg Ryan ne needed guidance about her love life, she would watch the famous um, Cary Grant, Grant film, the old Cary Grant film, an affair to remember, for advice. She'd look to the film for advice. And in the film of Sleepless Young, Meg Ryan, um, best friend Rosie O'Donnell said to her, a movie, that's your problem. Your problem is a movie. You don't want to be in love. You want to be in love in a movie. Do you know our deepest longings for genuine love, our longings for deep intimacy, our longings will never be met by human beings and more stuff. It really won't. We were created by a loving creator to be in relationship with God, a God of extraordinary love. And we will only find the deep contentment, the deep satisfaction our hearts long for without being united to the perfect love of God found in Jesus. God's love is a healing love. God's love is a forgiving love, an accepting love, a generous love. It is also a holy love, a gracious love, a merciful love, a compassionate love, a patient love, a kind love, a tender love. Have you experienced his love for you? That kind of love. When I um, was 19 years old, I, one summer I went on, worked with a Christian mission organization to do some evangelism in Europe uh, for the summer. And I found myself uh, in a preparation week. There was a preparation week and I was in uh, Ghent in Belgium. And I was listening to a pastor called Floyd McClung. Now Floyd spent his life working with prostitutes in the red light district of Amsterdam. And he was sharing about the father heart of God. Now he spent his life working with some of the people we would think are the toughest and at times hardest, and maybe in our own eyes some of the most broken. But he spent his time talking and speaking and sharing with them about the unconditional love of God the Father. And you know, it was as I was listening to him, however many years ago, that I started to really properly realize how much God really loved me. I mean, really loved me. And as I listened to him, I remember just weeping. Weeping and weeping as the transforming love of God started to get to work in my heart and my life. Cleaning up that sense of unworthiness that we sometimes feel never will really make it that sense of guilt or shame about the stuff in our lives that actually we've never really told anybody and actually needs cleaning out, needs dealing with. It doesn't need burying, it needs dealing with. Healing the hurt and the pain of the incomplete, don't get me wrong, I grew up in a loving family, but all human love has its flaws and its frailties and leaves a mark. And starting to set my heart free from that sense of unworthiness before God. And that great power of God's transforming light, transforming who started to restore and to heal me from the inside out. You know, and this morning, all of us, 
want to experience some of the, some of the joy of heaven right now. Do you know, the Bible uses lots of words to describe the intimate love of Jesus for us. We're called God's children, God's sons and God's daughters, his friends, his heirs, his co-heirs. God is, this morning, the lover of our souls. And in 1 John, we see that the greatest demonstration of God's love for us is this. Is he gave his one and only son, Sacrificially, Jesus offered himself to death upon the cross for you and I, for failed, flawed human beings like me and you. 1 John 4.10, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, love is demonstrated It's one person choosing to put the needs of another person ahead of their own needs. It's one person choosing to sacrifice themselves over others. And supremely one person laying down their life for another person. And of course that is what Jesus did for you and I. None of us could reach God through our own strength, our own worthiness, our own credit. But God, in his great mercy, his extraordinary love, sent his own son so we could be, as the hymn goes, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. And that's what Jesus' extraordinary love offers us this morning. Of course, this morning, whether you're here or when you go out of here, we will all have choices to make. You know, we can continue to put our trust and our faith and our love into all sorts of things in the world. But I'd suggest to you that God would love you this morning to put him first so that your soul finds rest, finds true rest in the loving arms of a heavenly father. God longs for us to respond to his transforming love this morning. Let's pray. I'm just going to take um, a moment actually to pray before we come to respond in, in song. So just have a little bit of quiet. Not by might, not by my might, not by my power, not by our power but by your Spirit, we pray. Holy Spirit, would you come afresh upon us as your people? Would you reveal yourself? Would you remind us? Would you come close to us? Would you show yourself to us this morning? I thank you this morning that each one of us really does matter to you. That's how great your love is. We're not just another number, another person, another thing. But we are your creation and you long for us to know. Thank you for your unconditional love for us. Thank you that you continue to pursue us with your love. A love that draws us back again and again 
nearer to you in all our frailty and weakness. Would you have your way with us this morning? Be still. And know that I am God. Father, thank you this morning that we're not a stranger to you. Over the last 15, 16 months, so many of us have sought to try and protect ourselves in so many different ways that that sense of isolation and that sense of maybe you being distant to us has in many ways only increased. And yet this morning I pray that something of the words that we've sung or prayed or I've said would have meant that you're at work revealing and prompting people, reminding people, showing people, quickening people to know that you love them this morning. Would you come and show people this morning people you really long to touch and want to touch? They may This morning there may be just a handful of you who this may means something significant to you. Maybe others you think, I've heard this all before. But thank you that you've not given up on us. And Father, your love is so great. Do you long to bring hope to a world beyond this small building that we happen to be meeting in this morning? And Father, our hearts cries that the lost would find a saviour this morning. That's how much you love them. You continue to pursue them. That those who are sat in their homes, cut in anxiety, in worry and not able to get out, that you would bring peace. For those this morning who are consumed by fear, that your perfect love drives out all fear. And Father, for those who are lost in darkness, whether they're bringing abusing other people around them, we pray for deliverance. Would your light come into the darkness? To those who are depressed, would you restore hope? With a cloud of darkness that sits over that, would that be lifted in Jesus' name? For those who've got confused, led down garden, the garden path by their own choices or other people's choices, would you bring them back onto the narrow road that leads to life? And supremely, Father, would you come and bring healing to those who are wounded this morning? Come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit. Would you come and bring your healing touch to our lives? that we might take that story of your love out to a world that is living without hope. 